I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Madigan, and you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Hi, everybody. Well, to start things off, I have some pretty big life news since the last time we've spoken because I'm engaged. Max proposed on our fifth anniversary on Monday, and it totally took me off guard because he did such a good job at playing it off. I've been bugging him since like January. (laughs) Like, okay, when are we going to do this? When are you putting a ring on this finger? I'm bugging his friends. I'm bugging his parents. I'm bugging him. I'm sending him a million pictures of different engagement rings I like. And I apparently have proven that if you are obnoxious enough about it, eventually it's going to happen. (laughs) But he kept telling me, he's like, you know, it's not going to be any date that you're expecting it to be. I don't want to do it like at a time that you're going to expect it to come. So I was like, all right, well, then it's probably not going to happen on the anniversary. And I was even mentioning rings to him like a week ago. And he said something about how he hadn't ordered a ring yet. And I was like, okay, well, then it's definitely not happening. And then we are going to be going on a trip to Kansas soon to visit our families. And I was like, well, maybe then but no, he probably wouldn't have a ring by then either. So I was like, Maybe 2024 will be our year. I don't know. But we went out for lunch in Malibu because I had decided that I wanted to go back to this park that we went to on Labor Day that I really enjoyed that was overlooking the water. So we did lunch in Malibu and then we went to the park and we brought a six pack. So we had some little secret beers while we were relaxing And Max was just like really looking for a place without people around. But honestly, that's just 
him. Like he would rather have more privacy in general. So I didn't find it that weird. And then at one point there was a group of people that left this one picnic area and he was like, oh, let's go down there and see what's going on. And we go down there and there's no one there. It's just us. But there's this adorable little squirrel and he's just teeny tiny and seems really used to humans because he was like coming up to me and running around and being super cute. So while I was distracted with the squirrel, Max was like, hold on just a second, and got down on one knee, barely was able to utter the words, will you marry me, before I grabbed him and hugged him. And I was like, are you serious? Are you serious? Are you serious? And I was crying. Truly, I think that might have been the happiest moment of my entire life that I've ever had. I cannot remember, except for maybe the first time that I won state when I was 13 years old and I was so shocked and did not expect to win at all. It was that, you know, rush of unexpected happiness then. And that's kind of the only thing that I can compare that feeling to. It just feels so good after being together so long, knowing that I found my person. It was just really beautiful. It was really amazing. The ring is gorgeous. People have been obsessing over it. And it's so funny because we actually planned on that being more of just a placeholder because his mom had actually given us her ring like six months into us dating. And we still really want to design our own ring as well. So that might turn into the wedding ring because I don't know if you've seen the one that I posted online, but this ring is stunning. It is kind of fashioned after the 1890s Edwardian style. It's very intricate. It's very detailed. It's exactly what I wanted. It is one of the rings, in fact, that I did send him as a suggestion. So the kid did good. I'm sure I will be talking a lot from now until whenever we decide to have a wedding all about all of all of the events that will be leading up to that. I'm just so excited. It's so funny. I think I mentioned this on the last episode that I recorded too. I can't remember if it was the full or the mini. Just thinking about how much y'all have been through with me in the past almost six years. It is really, really amazing how you've seen me through different stages of my life now. Six years ago, I was 26 years old in my mid-20s. I'm 31 years old now. I am an engaged woman. And I feel like I'm just at such a different point in my life and in my career and in my relationships. I'm so happy. I'm stressed beyond belief, but happier than I ever have been in my entire life. And I just wanted to fill you all in on all of that excitement. Secondly, I just want to remind you all that if you haven't picked up a copy of People Magazine this week, I highly suggest you doing so as they will be off the shelves soon. But there is a full three-page spread all about India and our new show, Still Learning. And if you are at all interested in learning more about that, you can pick up the magazine at newsstands anywhere in the country. And you can also go to peoplemagazine.com. They did a couple different articles in their online magazine. And in one of them, I'm mentioned by name, which I wasn't expecting. And it was really, really cool. So if you want to support that, I would greatly appreciate it. I'm so excited as this second show is growing and doing all that 
fun stuff because it's allowing me also to do more for all of you. Although right now I did pick up an extra part-time job, as I mentioned last week, in a pizza parlor. So like I said, a little stressed, a little overwhelmed. My schedule is a little bit crazy again, but I'm glad that I'm making a little bit of extra money there too. It doesn't hurt, you know? Other than that... I wanted to let all of my Patreon listeners know that I am very, very sorry that I did not get the second part of the Feminine Mystique up in a timely manner like I had anticipated. As you can probably imagine, this week has been crazy. It took me a while to actually get my adrenaline to go down. My emotions have been all over the place. I've been talking to a million people. I've also been nannying a bunch this week and will continue to be nannying a lot for the rest of the week, which makes it harder for me to step aside and work on my computer, obviously. So thank you, as always, for being so patient, my Patreon listeners. I have to have the episode up by Friday evening because I am completely booked up this weekend. It's pretty much done. I wrote a lot of stuff, but I just don't feel like I've explained the full picture of my feelings for the second half of the book and the book as a whole. So I do want to take another night to think about a lot of the things that I read so that I can maybe write a better conclusion than I have because you all know me. As much as I want to get an episode out in a timely manner, I also really want to make sure that I am at least mostly proud of what I'm putting out there. And a lot of these books take a lot of extra thought and consideration and digesting what I've read and things like that. So I'm going to be working on that for the rest of the evening and into tomorrow. And you will most definitely have it by tomorrow evening and this weekend. Again, thank you for your patience. I love you all so very much. I'm not even going to give the whole Patreon spiel and everything right now. You all know where to find me. There are two tiers. There's a $5 tier for the book club and a $8 tier to become a feminist fave to get these episodes ad-free and all that jazz. I am done jibber-jabbering and I want to get into the news topics this week. One story that really jumped out at me was the story of a young black teenager in Texas by the name of Daryl George who was suspended for more than a week because his hair was in a lock style, which violated the district's dress code. The dress code specifies that, quote, male students' hair will not extend at any time below the eyebrows or below the earlobes. It goes on. Male students' hair must not extend below the top of a t-shirt collar or be gathered or worn in a style that would allow the hair to extend below the top of a t-shirt collar, below the eyebrows, or below the earlobes when let down. I don't understand why there's such a difference between women having long hair and men having long hair, particularly if a man who wants to have long hair in their lives is trying to abide by a dress code by tying their hair back and making it more appropriate. I, for one, feel like that would be a good compromise. But as a whole, I just keep thinking, why? Why is this important? Why does this have anything to do with a place of education? 
Because just as a girl wearing a tank top should not be distracting to the learning environment, neither should a man's hair. I know I've told this story a million times on the podcast, so I won't do it again, but there was a boy in my middle school who really, really loved having long hair, and I remember my science teacher pulling him into a classroom and purposefully giving him a really terrible haircut to punish him for not having gone and gotten his haircut on his own, and his mom was fucking pissed. I mean, I just, for one, don't feel like you should have say in what another child looks like. I feel like that should one be the child's responsibility and they should be able to express themselves in any way that they want to. But secondly, it's also the parent's responsibility. Going behind their back and cutting their hair just isn't okay. I just see a lot of sexism involved in this truly, which is strange to say because it's about a man, but I truly don't understand how hair touching the eyebrows or the tops of your ears or whatever is somehow not conducive with learning. I don't get it. And Daryl's family stated that he would style his hair with pins on his head in a barrel roll in order to adhere to the policy. So when his hair was let down, it was longer and it reached past the point of what the school allowed, but he would twist it up and pin it or whatever, which like I said, if you are going to have these dress code rules, I feel like that's kind of like a decent compromise, you know, because this kid still has a life outside of school and he should be able to look how he wants. Daryl is a junior at Barbers Hill High School in Mount Bellevue in Texas, and he was suspended the same week that the state's Crown Act went into effect. It's easy to remember what the Crown Act is all about because it is fully regarding hair. It's a law which prohibits discrimination based on one's hair texture or protective styles such as locks and braids. However, the school is arguing that their dress code does not go against the Crown Act as it allows protective styles as long as the hair remained within specific limits when it's down. So to this, uh, what I'm reading here is that essentially they do not want black men to have long protective styles they would rather have them cut their hair because there's no way of having braids or locks without having long hair so essentially you are now limiting these students to having just a short cut style Now, none of this is anything, obviously, that I know from personal experience, but especially because I'm discussing it and I have discussed this topic in the past on this show, I do want to mention that the reason that all of this seems so directly driven toward racism is because the way that black people treat their hair just happens to be very, very different than the way that white people would treat their hair. And white people have such a lack of understanding for black hair that they write these really, really restrictive rules and have a lot of really negative stigma around a lot of these styles. So to make sure I was doing this right, I wanted to look up a little bit about protective styles again. And the reason that a lot of people choose to do these certain protective styles. So both cold and hot weather can pose as a threat to healthy hair because they contain elements that could be harmful to it, such as frigid air, humidity, and water damage from rain and snow. Protective styles can help to retain length and growth. This includes braids, wigs, locks, and twists. Some of the benefits of wearing a protective hairstyle could include minimizing tangles and knots, giving the hair a break from tugging, pulling, and combing, and reducing the amount of time spent styling the hair. 
Afro-textured hair is often prone to breakage or damage from the elements, and protective hairstyles aim to guard against this. On top of all of that, protective hairstyles and braids are an important aspect of African culture, dating back to thousands of years. These styles are said to resemble strength and creativity in African tribes and communities. Braids were often used to distinguish between tribes as well as indicate wealth, religion, age, marital status, and ethnicity. Even today, braids and other styles are a rite of passage in life. They're also a way for women and men of color to express themselves. At the wake of slavery, many women and men from Africa were forced to shave their heads, stripping them of not only their hair, but also their culture and humanity. With this, many laws were created to prohibit braids and other cultural and protective hairstyles. Many of these laws still stand to this day, at least in some way. And even after some of those laws were overturned, many still face discrimination due to their hair type and hairstyles. And also, fun fact, I feel like this went viral on Instagram this year, so I'm sure a lot of you already knew this. But if you didn't, I think this is really, really beautiful. Braids and cornrows were also used to escape slavery. Since the enslaved were not allowed to learn how to read or write, another method of communication was necessary. So they came up with the use of cornrows to draw out maps and pass messages to escape enslavement. This method was used in the Underground Railroad. So it's not like this is some vain thing and this boy is just like, I want to wear my hair like this. No, there's a lot of cultural and racial significance to what he's doing and taking part of. And the fact that these schools are not allowing these styles to be worn, it's just further exemplifying the racism that is continuing to stay to this day regarding black hair. According to Daryl's mother, he is very anxious and aggravated due to being punished for something that is irrelevant to his education. He had been given a citation for wearing frayed jeans, which was also against the dress code, a few days before he got in trouble for his hair. He was told that he had to change his clothes, but that he would also have to cut his hair. When he didn't cut his hair, he was put on in-school suspension and was forced to sit in a cubicle on a stool instead of in a classroom. Again, how is this helping the education of your student by isolating them, separating them from their classroom, separating them from their teacher, and making them learn independently? And you're also kind of like setting them aside to be made fun of. I would be incredibly embarrassed. I wouldn't want to go to school. I would rather have an at-home suspension situation going on than having to sit in another classroom and be treated that way. He was told that if he didn't cut his hair, he would face being placed in a disciplinary alternative education program, better known as an alternative school. But Daryl still refused to cut his locks, and the family has decided to fight against the school's policy. They thankfully hired a lawyer and is taking legal action. There has been a request for a temporary restraining order to stop Daryl's suspension during the federal court proceeding so that hopefully he can go back to class. And the lawyers representing Daryl accused Texas Governor Greg Abbott and the Attorney General Ken Paxton of turning a blind eye to Barbers Hill High School as it ignores the Crown Act and enforces its own distorted interpretation of its policy. The attorneys argue that race and gender discrimination are at the heart of this case and assert that these elected officials failed to protect Daryl from being singled out because he is a black male. The lawyers also alleged in the complaint that his right to freedom of expression has been unlawfully challenged and unprotected, resulting in the 17-year-old experiencing intentional infliction of emotional distress. And this district, in fact, has a history of discrimination regarding black hair. The lawsuit says... 
This school district actually banned locks, braids, twists, and protective hairstyles as a whole before being sued in federal court in May of 2020. It was after that that BHISD amended their grooming policy, mid-stroke, and added the additional hair length restriction. The Texas Legislative Black Caucus has condemned the suspension and called for the violations to be removed from Georgia's school records. The caucus also asked the school district to update its codes to reflect compliance with the new state law. And like was mentioned in the quote from Daryl's attorneys, if you remember back in 2020, where there was another student in Texas by the name of DeAndre Arnold, who also attended Barbers Hill School District, sued the district over their grooming policies that amounted to racial discrimination and violated the students' First and Fourteenth Amendment rights. I talked about DeAndre at the time that this was occurring. So if you will remember, he was told that if he didn't cut his locks, he would be unable to participate in his graduation ceremony. So instead of doing that, he just transferred to another school, which I say, bravo. But that case gained national attention. And thankfully, it looks like it did start to change some of the laws in Texas. But this school district simply does not care. They are still going to put forth these incredibly limiting and discriminatory policies. Texas is one of the two dozen states that have enacted versions of a Crown Act, according to the Economic Policy Institute. California was actually the first to pass the measure in 2019, and legislation for a national Crown Act has thus far been unsuccessful, which doesn't surprise me as getting anything done nationally right now with the Supreme Court is a doozy. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta. And I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop. And you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., 
Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. And more on that note, actually, and talking more on California... California has become the first state to levy a tax on guns and ammo in order to fund safety programs in the United States. Go, California! (laughs) California is enacting a ban from people carrying firearms in most public places while doubling the taxes on guns and ammo sold in the state under two new laws signed by Governor Gavin Newsom, which will test the Supreme Court's new standard for interpreting the Second Amendment. So back in June, the United States Supreme Court declared for the first time that there is a constitutional right to carry a handgun in public for self-defense. The court struck down a century-old gun law in New York that limited licenses to carry a gun outside the home to people carrying them for sport and those with a special need. This will make it that much more difficult to defend the rules that limit guns in public places. This ban in California prohibits people from carrying guns in 26 places, including public parks and playgrounds, public demonstrations and gatherings, amusement parks, churches, banks, zoos, and quote, any other privately owned commercial establishment that is open to the public, unless the owner puts up a sign saying that guns are allowed. The federal government already taxes gun sales and ammunition at either 10 or 11 percent, depending on the type of gun. But Newsom made it so that another 11 percent is added on top of that, making California the only state with a separate tax on guns and ammunition. 
This money will pay for security improvements at public schools, as well as go to a variety of gun violence prevention programs, including those geared toward young people and gangs. The money from the federal tax, which has been in place for more than 100 years, pays for wildlife conservation and hunter education programs. Newsom signed nearly two dozen gun control measures this past Tuesday, but he acknowledges that many of them may not survive the legal challenges faced by the Supreme Court. Just last week, a federal judge struck down a California law banning guns with detachable magazines that carry more than 10 rounds, one of the three major pending cases challenging California's gun restrictions. Newsom says, It may mean nothing if the federal courts are throwing them out. We feel very strongly that these bills meet the new standard, and they were drafted accordingly, but I'm not naive about the recklessness of the federal courts and the ideological agenda. According to an article from NPR, California has some of the lowest gun death rates in the country, ranking 43rd out of 50 states with nine deaths for every 100,000 people. According to the Violence Policy Center, Massachusetts, Hawaii, New Jersey, and New York have the lowest gun death rates in the nation. On the other hand, Mississippi, Louisiana, New Mexico, Wyoming, and Alabama have the highest rates in the nation. The CDC shows that the states with the lowest rates of overall gun death are those with the strongest gun violence prevention laws and low rates of gun ownership. Wouldn't you know? VPC Government Affairs Director Kristen Rand says, America is facing an unprecedented gun violence crisis. The evidence could not be more compelling that our spiraling gun death rates are driven by exposure to firearms. I will never be able to comprehend why so many Americans feel that they need to hold on so tightly to their gun laws, especially when there is so much death in this country when it comes to gun violence. I specifically think a lot of school shootings, and I can't comprehend why keeping our children safe will never be more important to these people than simply having their right to have a gun if they want one. Guns, you all know how much they scare me, and I'm learning as I get older that I am a bit of an extreme case when it comes to being really scared of guns and feeling really against them, but I I can't help it. I truly don't see the need for them in most situations unless you are living out in the middle of nowhere and you need to be protected or if your life is in danger for some reason. Like I know there are circumstances where owning firearms is beneficial. If you are a hunter and you truly enjoy doing that for whatever reason, like I understand that's all part of it. But In my mind, I'm like, can't we just get along without them? (laughs) Like, we don't need guns. The only thing that they are here for is to violently end somebody's life. I just don't see the purpose in having them in a home, especially when you have children. I truly don't think that even the safest of gun locks and safes would make me feel good about it. Just knowing that there is a gun in the home with a child makes me incredibly scared and uncomfortable. And the fact that so many of these school shooters are not taken seriously when they make threats, the fact that they are trusted with guns a lot of times and are able to just outright go out and buy them themselves is really disturbing to me. So I'm glad that there are politicians who are fighting so hard against this. But I also know that in this day and age with the Supreme Court that we have, 
going against anything that is a conservative right is going to be very, very, very incredibly difficult. But I am appreciative, especially whenever anything good comes out of my state of California. I am always very appreciative of Governor Gavin Newsom whenever he makes smart choices <laughs> and uh, signs in good laws and things that I approve of. I know I said last week how bummed I am that he's not going to be running for president in 2024. I truly think that he would have made such a great candidate. I feel like he's really palatable for most of Americans. He's not super polarizing like Bernie Sanders was or anything like that. But thank you, Gavin Newsom, for doing this. I hope that the Supreme Court doesn't shit all over it. The fact that all this money that is going toward guns is going to be going toward safety and protection from them. It's just the sweetest of irony, isn't it? All right, everybody, that's all I have for you today. Thank you for putting up with my incredibly chaotic week. Again, thank you to Patreon listeners for being so, so patient. That episode is going to be getting to you as soon as I can get it to you. I promise. And stay tuned because I think I have finally decided the book that I want to cover for October. So I will officially announce that on Monday's episode once I have made a final decision and I know it's going to be an appropriate fit. So stay tuned for that. And if you enjoy the show and you think others would too, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or rate the show on Spotify. Feel free to share the show with a friend if you think that they would be interested. All that good stuff. All right, I feel like I'm all over the place today. I'm sorry for my crazy brain. I don't even know how to give the ending spiel right now. That's all I have for you today. With all that being said, I encourage you to rage on. Love you. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.